0: You're listening to a message from Highway Church, our April 3rd, 2016 service. Enjoy. Thank you, Lord God. Blessed be the Lord God. This is something that Zechariah said by the Spirit of God. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and redeemed his people. This is prophetic, talking about what Jesus would accomplish. And has raised up a horn of salvation for us. In the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets. Which have been since the world began. That we should be saved from our enemies. And from the hand of all that hate us. To perform the mercy I promised to our fathers. And to remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swore to our father Abraham. that we That he would grant unto us that we. Being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Wow. Is that possible? You can be seated if you like. Hallelujah. To serve Him in holiness and righteousness before Him all the days of our life. Well, I'll tell you, I had a, a brand new series prepared for this morning, but we're going to do something a little different. So we'll start that next Sunday. As it, I'm just listening on the inside right now. Um, it, boy, it's so important to be led by the Spirit. And uh, just so you guys, I'm encouraging this, and I know it's not common, and it might not be talked about a lot, or maybe it's misunderstood. Being led by the Spirit. Um, it's not something flaky or weird or strange, but what it is is a, is a consciousness of God's Holy Spirit in you. So in other words, when you get up in the morning, you're listening to your spirit inside because when you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit has come to live inside of you. And when the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, he's, he's become united with your spirit. He wants to talk to you. But he won't talk to you like I'm talking to you now. It's not an audible voice like you're hearing mine. It's a it's a, a a witness inside. It's a knowing inside, and he wants to lead you throughout your day. And boy, he will if you let him. But it's a different way of living because we're kind of if if you didn't grow up learning that, you know, you're kind of trained to be basically you just go out and apply yourself and and try your best and and learn as much as you can and and do what you can to get ahead, and what it, what that end up doing is you're living life in your own strength, and there are things God is trying to lead us into and speak to, but we won't go there if we're not listening inside, so it's really fun uh, to be led by the Spirit because He'll take you places you can never go Amen. on your own. Amen. So just to give you an example, what I do, uh, you know, it's funny, people will say, well, why, why don't you do this, or you should do that, or you should do this with the church, and the church should be doing this. And You know, I don't do what I want to do as a pastor of Highway Church. I, I, I really have no desire to be the pastor of Highway Church. I'm just following the Lord, you know? And so each week, we want to do what the Lord leads us to do. And whatever that is, if that's, you know, just lay on our faces for an hour and a half, that's fine. You know, if, if it's gone out and shoveling snow, that's fine, too but we're open. We're listening to the Holy Spirit. So I don't, uh, I don't consult a manual of, of sermons and and go through a chronological order of doctrine to preach every Sunday. I spend time with the Lord and I say, Lord, what do you want to emphasize? What do you want? What do you want to speak this week and next week and this quarter and this year? And I don't know if you guys remember um, if you were here. Um, at the end of 2014, I asked the Lord. Um, I like at the end of each year, I say, "Lord, would what, what, you have a, a, a focus for next year? That you, something you want us to emphasize?" So we started in 2014, and I felt uh, we started 2015 with a series called "Year of the GPS." You guys remember that? What's GPS stand for? You remember, God's Positioning System, right? Yeah, and and I and I felt that that 2015 was going to be a year. Of God positioning us to go forward in His destiny, and in 2015, Regal underwent a major renovation. Right, we moved from there in November to here. Right, and then at the end of last year, I sought the Lord and said, "Lord, do you have a focus or an emphasis that you uh, want to want us to zero in on in 2015?" And I really felt it was His promises, year of His promises, 2016. In other words, this it's a year of renovation. A year of installing His promises in our hearts and our minds and letting the light of His promises expose any thinking in us that is wrong, any beliefs that we have that, that don't line up with the risen Christ, and changing the way we think and changing the way we live and making our daily decisions not based on the current political climate or the stock market or what's going on in the world around us but based on the promises of God and we started the first series of this year with soul wars and we learned uh, Ephesians 6.10 that uh, to be strong in the Lord and His mighty power and to put on the whole armor of God do you remember what the armor of God is? Psalm 91.4 His promises yeah the armor of God, and so that's what we're gonna we're gonna do that. We're gonna really get into something uh, next Sunday called "Built Jesus Tough," and it's gonna be fun. Built Jesus Tough. You've heard of Built Ford Tough, right? Well, this is Built Jesus Tough, and and nothing a life built on the promises of God is Jesus tough. There's no one tougher than Jesus. No one stronger than Him. No one could make him afraid. No one could confuse him. No one could deter him from fulfilling his life purpose. And when you begin to let his promises reign in your heart, you become Jesus tough. You become unstoppable. No one can remove you from the path that he has for you. And that's us. We're Jesus tough here at Highway Church. We're walking with Christ and no one is going to deter us from his path. For our lives. So we're just listening to the Holy Spirit. And as we're singing there, I really felt the Holy Spirit said, hold off until next week for that message and brought me to Luke chapter two. Uh, Excuse me, Luke chapter one. So we're just going to go with this. And this is so much fun. It's just fun to be led by the Spirit. You know, for uh, centuries, Man's heart was devastated with sin. Ever since the fall, you know, for thousands of years, really, man was just devastated by sin. The curse of sin really destroyed mankind. It separated him from God, and man went from living by the Spirit to living by the flesh. And every one of us is is completely God-hungry. Man is God-hungry. No matter where you're from, what nation you're from, what language you speak, we're God-hungry. We're God-hungry creatures. We need to eat God. We need a steady diet of who He is and what He's done for us through Christ. And I can try and imagine sometimes what it must have been like after those hundreds and thousands of years of just being under the unrelenting weight of sin waiting for the promise of the Messiah. And then he comes. And this is what happened in in the Gospels we see in Luke where um, Zechariah, who's John the Baptist's dad, he goes into the temple to perform his priestly duties and an angel appears to him. I mean, how cool is that, you know? You're doing your normal responsibilities and all of a sudden, time stands still, and an angel shows up. And it's an angel sent from God, speaking to him prophetically about the baby he's going to have. But there's a problem in Zechariah's mind. His wife's barren, see? and she's beyond the age of childbearing. And, and that's a roadblock in his mind. That's something he thinks it cannot change. But God speaks. And says, you're going to have a son, and he's going to be the front runner to the Messiah. Which means Messiah's coming, right, in about a year. Messiah's coming. He's going to be born, and your son's going to lead the way. And this man is steeped in the tradition of the elders. He's a priest, right? They've been waiting for the, his, his dad, his grandpa, his granddad, his great-granddad, back and back and back. They've been longing, they're God-hungry people, waiting for salvation to come. And here comes the angel saying, your son's going to be born, and he's going to be the front-runner of the Messiah. And he's excited about it, but, he, but he's got that roadblock there. You know, he says, but... Um, You know, my wife can't have children. You know, he he doubts what God says to him. Now, Zechariah, being a student of the Scriptures, uh, uh, an expert in the Scriptures, should have known this was possible. Why? Was there someone that the the Hebrews looked to as a patriarch that had that happen to them? Who was that? Yeah, Abraham, right? There was a precedent set for God's salvation. Right? And it was Isaac. Uh And the whole nation was built on this supernatural fulfillment of God's promise. And Abraham and Isaac was a type of God the Father and God the Son. Right? And God the Father asked Abraham to sacrifice his son as a a foreshadowing of what God the Father would do with Jesus. So this is the foundation of everything Zechariah does. But this this condition that he's accepted in his wife's life is blocking what God wants to do. How How can our thoughts block what God wants to do when the whole foundation of his salvation has been brought forth and laid out in the Word? That's how powerful what we believe is. Right, God revealed his salvation, but if you're, if you're going to hold on to what you used to believe, it will block what God wants to do in your life. So what happens to Zechariah here? He ends up becoming mute, right? Wow. Let me see here. Let me go back a little bit. All the way back in the, towards verse 16, uh, well, let's see. Well, let's, let's start with the angel. The angel says unto him, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll go to verse 11. I'm just looking here. Yeah, so verse 10, and the whole multitude of the people were praying without, that's outside of the holy place. He was in, in the holy place as the, as, the, as the priest, at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So try. imagine yourself there. When you're reading the Bible, see yourself there, all right? These are real-life accounts. These are not stories. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. This never happened to him before. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and you shall call his name John. Now, there's a conflict going on in Zechariah now. I'm hearing God promise me something, but I know my, my wife's condition, and the two don't go together. And you shall have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. This is good news, isn't it? Yeah. For he shall be great. This, this is, what should bring joy to him, not trouble. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Wow, that was never done before. Now, he wasn't born of the Holy Spirit like Jesus, but he was filled with it in his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. This is verse 17 of Luke 1. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said unto the angel, "'Whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man.'" And my wife is well stricken in years. Interesting, right? So what was happening, God wanted to do something supernatural in his life, but he was having a hard time grabbing a hold of it, right, because of his current circumstances and the things he chose to accept. He believed that it was not possible, right? Even though an angel sent from God was speaking to him. And the angel answered and said unto him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of the one who made you. And I'm sent to speak to you and to show you these glad tidings, this good news. And behold, you shall be dumb, which means you will not be able to speak until the day these things shall be performed, because you believe not my words. Which shall be fulfilled in their season, and the people waited for Zechariah and marvelled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto him; he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. Wow, he was silent for her entire pregnancy. Wow. Ladies, can you imagine your husband being quiet for nine months? <laughs> it's like, Gabriel, come see me. <laughs> uh, only Gabriel can do that. So, <laughs> Wow, so he's quiet for nine months. There's a benefit to this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. God was not punishing him. What God wanted to do in the earth was greater than Zechariah's concept of life. It was time for the Messiah to come, but Zechariah hadn't grasped it yet. And for the Messiah to come, it had to happen supernaturally, just like Abraham and Isaac. So in order for that son to come, he had to close Zechariah's mouth. Because you know what Zechariah would have done? I just, I saw a vision. I had An angel spoke to me and said that my wife's going to bear a son. Everyone's up. Like, ah, yeah, right, right, she's going to bear a son, yeah, and I'm the pope, right, yeah. Right, and they would have started joking and telling jokes, and, and it would have just, right, death and life from the power of the tongue. He had to close his mouth so that he could work in his life. And it's so good, if you, if you don't understand what God's doing, if you don't know what to say, just close your mouth. Don't criticize. Just, right? Or just praise him. Say, be glorified, God. Wouldn't that have been a good response, Zachariah said? Be glorified. Your will be done. Have your way in my life. Have your way in my wife's life. Right. Isn't that how Mary responded? Yes. Now, what I like about Mary is she had no precedent. Zechariah did, didn't he? The precedent he had and studied since his childhood was Abraham and Isaac. Mary, same angel, Gabriel, says, you're going you're to conceive a son. But she's never been with a man. She's not even married. That's never happened. There's no precedent in Scripture for that. A virgin becoming pregnant without a man involved? There was pro- prophecy about it, but there was no precedent for it. And I love her response. Hallelujah. Let's go the verse 36. Let's see here. Let's go back a little before that. Let's look at Gabriel. So here's Gabriel, his second trip. Um, in the sixth month, verse 26, so in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent forth from God. So this is, now, uh, Zechariah's wife is six months pregnant. To a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph in the, in the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Now, Mary perceives he's talking about right now, not after she gets married to Joseph, okay? And the name Jesus is salvation. God saves. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. Here it is, Messiah's coming, Mary. And he's going to be born in your womb. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Forever. In his kingdom, of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, "How shall this be, seeing I know not a man?" Now is that a good question? Yeah, sure. She's not an unbelief. She's just like, "Well, how?" You know, I've had biology and anatomy, and <laughs> how can this happen? Right? It's different than Zachariah's response. Right? Zechariah said, "Um, Whereby shall I know this? How am I going to know this is going to happen? I'm an old man. My wife is well stricken in years. Right? Different response. God expects us to know his word, right? To know what he's done for us. We're responsible to know what he's done for us through Christ. We can't go through life ignorant. The days of ignorance are over. It's time to know him. It's time to forsake man's religious philosophies and know God for yourself. It's time to know Him. God expects, listen, God revealed Himself through Christ. He expects everyone to know it, right? How much more us who've read and believed. Hallelujah. She says, how can this be? Since I've known not a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost the very Spirit of God shall come upon you and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth, that's Zechariah's wife, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Boy, I think there's anything God wants to get across to us right now is nothing is impossible with him. She was called impossible. She was called you'll never have children. But with God, it's not so. Right? That's what she was labeled. Have you been labeled? Has man labeled you? Let's remove that label right now and believe God. Right now. For with God, nothing is impossible. With him, all things are possible. Now, here's Mary's response, and this is faith talking. That's the difference between Mary and Zechariah. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. Was Mary mute for nine months? No. Why? She's speaking the word of God. God doesn't want to close that up. He said, here's someone I can flow through. Here's someone that's going to walk out my plan for their lives. I'll let her speak. Right? There's some things that are just too important. And God has to intervene so that what he wants to happen will happen in the earth. And boy, are we at a time on planet earth when people need to see Christ. there's no more time for religious games. There's no more time, well, I don't believe that. Well, I don't believe this. Well, I didn't grow up that way. There's no more time for that. It's time to embrace the risen Christ, to be filled with His Spirit, to walk in His glory, to do the things that He did and greater things than these. Hallelujah. So Mary goes forward and she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth and as soon as they meet John the Baptist jumps up and down he's in her womb and he's leaping right he hears the voice of the mother of the Messiah and he can't sit still right wow he and Elizabeth is filled with the holy ghost in verse 41 don't resist the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Let him fill you. Let him have your tongue. Let him speak through you. Come on. Hallelujah. She's filled with the Holy Ghost and she speaks with a loud voice. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of the womb. Is that what it says, she spoke with a loud voice? That's not really like, um, what is it, proper etiquette, right? Someone comes to see you, bless me, right? Why do we say that? Because when the Holy Ghost moves sometimes, it's not proper etiquette. And people get offended by being loud. Man, when the Holy Ghost speaks, sometimes you got to say, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Right? You can't hold it in. Don't turn your head at that. Let him speak. Blessed, she spoke with a loud voice. This is, uh, this is not proper etiquette. It's on the obnoxious side of things. <laughs> Here comes Mary to see her cousin, her baby's leaping in her womb. Blessed are you, blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For lo, as soon as the voice of your salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb. Blessed is she that what? Believe. Believed. Yeah. Hallelujah. She wasn't with Mary. This is the Holy Spirit talking. Blessed is he that believed. Unlike my husband. Right? Blessed is he that believed. for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he's regarded the low estate of his handmaid. Look at her view of herself, right? Humility, right? For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty From their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath opened his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers to Abraham. She remembers Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary stayed with her about three months and returned to her own house. Wow. So Elizabeth's time comes. See, the, John the Baptist is born, and something happens now. It came to pass, verse 59, on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zechariah after the name of his father. That's tradition, right? That's what church wants to do. Man gets caught in their tradition. Okay, here we're going to label this child Zachariah. Not so. That was not the name God chose. For him. You have to be aware of man's religious tradition. Tradition doesn't uh, religion doesn't follow the Holy Spirit. Religion gets locked into a certain way of doing things. And if, if you want to miss out on what God's doing, doing in your life, go ahead and just lock yourself in to the way you've done things for the last 10 years. You're gonna miss it. He wants to transform us, and part of that is letting go. Letting go of the way you've done things. That can be frightening. Especially if you put a whole lot of time and effort in developing those systems in your life, right? You've studied books. you you spent years developing these things. And all of a sudden, God says, God, let it go. Let it go and follow me. Woo! But boy, is it worth it. You want to ask me how I know? Does he do that with me. And he's doing it weekly. <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> Hallelujah. So here he is. Okay, here's your son, Zachariah. That's his name because that's your, your name. And his mother answered and said, not so. Don't you name my boy. He shall be called John. Means grace. And said unto her, there is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. You are breaking tradition tradition right you can't name your son we will name your son and they said unto her, there is none of your kindred that is called by that name and they made signs to his father get over here and talk some sense into your wife how he would have him called. this man hasn't spoken for nine months let's see if he does the right thing he asked for a writing table because he can't speak God's going to say, he better get this right, right? And he writes down, his name is John. Oh, the religious people were huh? So he never said a word to his wife. He couldn't. How'd she know his name was to be John? Holy Spirit. He's listening to the Holy Spirit now, isn't he? Right? He's given up. And he's let, he's let go of his tradition. And he's walking with God now. And what happens? His mouth opens, doesn't it, right? When you let go of the things, right, that, that are restricting God in your life and you begin to walk with him, boy, you can speak and, and you, can, you can experience things that you haven't experienced before. His name is John. They all marveled, and his mouth was opened immediately. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and his tongue was loosed. Wow. Hmm. Hmm. I love that. And he spake, and what did he do? Now, he's in it now. He's in the zone now, isn't he? Right? No more, I don't don't know, how can this be? No. Uh -uh. He's praising God now. And fear comes on all them that dwelt round about them. And all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country. Of Judea. Now they can go ahead and, and be noisy. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, what manner of God shall this be? And the, uh, excuse me, what manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Yeah, this is really supernatural. And they're like, we're trying to figure this out. Now, this is what I love. Just like uh, Elizabeth prophesied, now Zachariah's going to prophesy. And this is what I shared during worship time a little earlier. Zachariah was filled with the Holy Ghost now and prophesied, saying. Now, understand, this is before Jesus rose from the dead, right? So before Jesus rose from the dead, before the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, there were times in the Bible when the Holy Spirit would come upon people, but he couldn't dwell in them permanently, all right, because they had to be made new. So this is the Holy Spirit now fills Zechariah. He's not born again. He's just filled with the Spirit so he can prophesy. Verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Wow. Blessings come out when the Spirit of God speaks. Isn't that fun? Isn't that good? Notice, well, the Holy, filled with the Holy Spirit, what's the first word out of both of their mouths? Blessed. Elizabeth, blessed. Blessed. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for we have visited and redeemed his people. If you'll let the Holy Spirit speak through you, complaining will go and praise will take its place. Amen to that. Boy, does the world need to hear people full of praise that speak blessing and not political frustration. Blessing, right? Blessing and not woe at the times. We're not woe Woe is me people. We're blessed be the Lord people, right? Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited us and redeemed his people. Has Jesus risen from the dead yet? Has he been born yet? No. This is prophetic. It's just about to happen. And hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Who is that? Jesus, right? Not John the Baptist. He's talking about Jesus now, isn't he? But John had to precede him, right? As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies. Who's your enemy? Yes. He's your adversary. He's against you. He's against you being blessed. He's against you being fruitful. He's against you, fulfilling God's destiny for your life. But what has God done through Jesus? He saved us from our adversary and from the hand of all that hate us. Your battle's not against people, right? It's against the spiritual forces of darkness. To perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember His holy Covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham. Boy, is he remembering Abraham now, right? Right? When Gabriel came to him, he didn't even think of Abraham. The Holy Spirit fills him. Now he's seeing things clearly, right? And now he knows knows exactly who to reference with God's salvation. It's the father Abraham, verse 74, that he would grant unto us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, Are you ready? Now, this had to just rock the religious world. Might serve him without fear. Look at verse 75. In holiness. I thought only God was holy. In holiness and righteousness before him for a couple days this week. Wait, you got the right scripture up there? All, 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 excuse me. All. The days of our life. Revolutionary. Religion put this big cage around God and said, God is holy, you're not, and you'll never be. God sends his son and says, through my son, you become holy. You become righteous. Now let's go to Romans 5. How long are you holy for? All your days. All your days. Holy all your days. Every day when you wake up, you're holy. That's supernatural, isn't it? This is what God has done through Christ. He's made us holy. He's made us righteous. So Romans 5. Oh, it's such a good chapter. We'll just read a little bit here. Well, let's start with verse 8. But God commanded his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Much more now. So you know before you were saved, like how how guilty we felt when we did something wrong. And I know I was fearful of what God might do or what might happen because of the mistakes I made, right? That's how we were before we were saved, You ought not to be that way anymore, right? You're no longer in that place anymore. You're now in, in his family. Much more now, right? God's And even in that state that we were in, God reached out to us, and God saved us. Now that we're saved, much more is his favor extended to us. The devil reverses it. Right, You live in all that turmoil. You come to Christ, your conscience is bothering you, you're guilty, you're wrestling with things, and then you come to Christ and the devil will try and make you wrestle more than you did before you were saved, you know, and try and make you feel guilty about things you did two years ago, right? And, just, and all of a sudden you're in the same turmoil you were in before you were saved and so many Christians are living their lives that way. No, much more now. We're in a permanent state of God's favor and holiness, Permanent for the rest of our days, and no one can change that. No one can take us out of Him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled we shall be saved by His life. Hallelujah. All right, let's go down to verse 17. Romans 5, for if by one man's offense, who's that? Adam, right? Death reigned by one. Okay? Much more, there it is again. They which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Now here's the verse that I wanted to get to here. Let's see if we do the whole thing. All right, verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation. So in other words, because of Adam's sin, every one of us was born a sinner. Right? That's the way it was. So no matter what we did, no matter what decisions we made before our faith in Christ, We were covered in sin, and we could not get out of that. A hundred good deeds a day couldn't change our condition of sin. All right? In that same way, all right, in that same way, even so the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men, justification of life. Let's think about that for a second. So just as before Christ, I was always a sinner. In that same way now, I'm always justified. Even if I make a mistake. Religion can't go here. Religion sounds the alarms at this. Because of what Christ did, we're agreeing with the Holy Ghost through Zechariah now, we serve God, we walk with God in holiness and righteousness all our days days and that won't be changed. Isn't that amazing? I, am, I, am I like trying to construe some new philosophy from these scriptures? Is that not what it's saying? Yeah. So what does that tell me? The sacrifice of Christ was greater than the sin of Adam. That's always the case. God's love is greater than our sins. So if you put your faith in Christ, you're no longer a sinner, right? So we don't say, I am a sinner saved by grace. We say, I was a sinner, but now I'm saved by grace. And I live out my days as God's child in holiness and righteousness, walking with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, thank you so much for what you did through Jesus. Holy Spirit, identify right now condemning thought patterns in us. Ways of thinking that need to stop. Attitudes that need to be dragged into the trash and deleted. Holy Spirit, identify in us self-effort and let the light of Christ show us the way. Help us to go forward today living life with you as our strength. Help us to let go of our own conclusions and replace them with your promises. Father, thank you for this moment. Lord, you've got these defining moments in our lives where we we stop looking back and we go forward in you. Father, let today be a defining moment in everyone who stood, a moment where they were raised up by you, into a level of glory and understanding of your plan and purpose for their lives. Holy Spirit, empower them now. Strengthen them now to be the people you've made them to be and to go forward into the fullness of all that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. He is.